Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Hey, so open your Bibles to Matthew uh, 16, and then we'll get started. And so excited for all you guys who got baptized. Well, they're probably trying to dry off and get warm. Uh, but nonetheless, we're so excited for them. That is so cool to see uh, people get water baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, you know, thanks still here at the end of church. If at any point in time, we'll get Pastor Stephen or Africa, he'll dunk you again. Okay, so if you, if you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you. And uh, that's something you really should do. It is a, it is a instruction of Jesus. And, <clears throat> you know, Haley and I were talking about this to our kids the other day, and we were discussing this idea that, you know, as Christians, <clears throat> your, your job, your role, your, your walk in life, if you will, isn't to try to see how well you can fit in with the culture around you. Like, you, you are called to be a little different. Scripturally, it's, the scriptures are very clear about this. It says that to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Like, that's biblical identification with Christ. Identification is a big word that, that our nation likes to use a lot today. But you are identified in Christ. So therefore, because you are his, you're going to do some things a little bit different. And water baptism, I know some people think, well, what's the point in it? If for no other reason Jesus said do it, that's enough for me. Yeah, but, but, well, yeah, but he went to the cross and shed his blood. Just saying, he gets to determine if it's water, fine. Hey, think about it this way. Aren't you glad it's water and he didn't choose oil? I mean, that would have been kind of bad, right? Plus, super expensive. Water's a lot more economical than a big thing of vat of olive oil. Think about that. Wouldn't that be just kind of like gross? <laughs> yeah. Come out like, you know, fried chicken or something. Who knows? But Jesus said it. So it's a simple commandment, but you are going to be different. God's called you to step out and follow him. And so therefore you're going to, people in the culture and the world, if you aren't a Christian, there's some things that spiritually only understood, like you've been going through your study and experiencing God, that you're going to only get by the Lord through the Holy Spirit. People are going to understand why you do what you do sometimes. Why would you pray? Why would you get baptized? Why would you? It's a commandment of the Lord. So anyway, we were just telling our kids about some of that, that, you know, it's not our role to try to fit in with culture. You know, that's a big, I think, you know, um, can you guys, is there any way you get the lights up? I feel like I don't have, I, I feel like I'm, I'm in the dark, maybe it's just me. But can you do anything about that, Jojo? Thanks. So, um, but the uh, the thing in, with us as a believer is... I guess in the last probably 15, 20 years, when we came out of uh, in Bible college and training, there's this whole push towards uh, church growth, church planting, and all these kind of things. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's great. We need to plant churches. However, um, uh, the idea came about that, that we all were involved with it, everybody, not anybody's excuse, myself included, that, well, in order to, um, uh, you know, reach people, then we have to do things to be like people. And so the idea was, even so far as even in worship, that you ought to do some secular songs in worship because that way people will feel more comfortable. When they come to church, they feel like that's something they fit in with. Well, the problem with all that is we're not here for people. I mean, I love every one of you, but I didn't get up this morning to come here because of you. And I love you. But if that's the reason I got out of bed this morning, you got, there's something wrong with me. As a, I ought to get up in the morning because Jesus called me to his church, not because of people. Not to do what I do because of people. I do it because Jesus called me. So we have these conversations with our kids. We don't do anything we do because we're pastors. I hate those terms where they're pastors, kids. No, they're kids. My kids right now, the two of them, all three of them are kids, so I can say, I can, I can talk about them now. They're not even in here. <laughs> so, they, they volunteer right now. They're volunteering in kids, not because their mother nor I said you ought to do it because you're pastor's kids. Not one time have we said you should do this, you should do that, and you should do this in this church. We don't do that. That was their choice. Because here's why. Because if we do that to get them to do it, then what we're going to have to do is to keep them doing it, we're going to have to be the ones to say, well, now you know you got to because you're little pastor's kids. Oh, that's crazy. If you're a surgeon, do you put your kids in the room with a scalpel? No, you don't do that. No. If you're an electrician, do you give your kids a multimeter and send them on the job site and say, hey, go fix a circuit? No. So anyway, I'm saying that because we do what we do because we follow Jesus. 
Not because we're pastors anything, because we, we are here. Because we're here to serve Jesus and worship Him. So anyway, I sell that because the idea that came in that says, hey, be like this, be like that, and then you'll reach people. Not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us to follow Christ. Lean in closer to God. You know, learn of Him. Jesus said, you know, my burden is, 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 is light. My yoke is easy. Learn of me. Even in, uh, I think it's Isaiah, it says this, learn of me again the old ways of walking. That old path of righteousness. Remember that old school we said, well, that's the old way of doing it. Well, it doesn't mean it was always wrong. I mean, let's just be honest. People would say, and I'm getting on my notes to say, just, just hang on. But people used to say all the time, I remember when we started, it was this whole thing of, well, hymn books aren't fun anymore. They're not cool. So we got rid of all the hymn books. You know how much hymn books cost? They're pretty expensive. And then the idea is we were going to be cool. So here's what we did. And it's not picking on anybody at all. I was a part of this, okay? We were going to be cool. And every other church, we all did this. Everybody did this trying to be cool. We're going to have overhead transparencies. And we're not going to have hymn books anymore. And we're going to be the cool church. And so, you have somebody sitting beside a little in a folding brown chair, because we've got to be cool. So they're sitting there. Now this person's whole sole responsibility in church life is to move the little clear transparency at the next song. And God help them if they weren't good at their job, because sometimes it was like, all the people in church be worshiping like this. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> or, or they didn't get all the words on, does that say church? Cho? Chosen? What is that? I can't tell. But that was going to be cool, right? And then from there, we went to what? We said, well, that's not cool anymore. we got to put on projector screens. So we get projectors, and that's going to be awesome. And that will really change how we look to people. And then, man, they'll come because we have projectors. <laughs> and that can't be cool anymore because so we have to change how we look. So we got to be cool. And so everybody, all the pastors are wearing Hawaiian shirts. Because Rick Warren said, not he didn't say do it, but he wore Hawaiian shirts. But no one thought about the fact that he lived on the west coast of California on the beach. Kind of fit in. So in Rome, Georgia, here's all of us as like ministry people. We got on Hawaiian shirts. In Rome, Georgia, you know how stupid that looked for us? Because we all, and all the pastors had Hawaiian shirts on. If you got one on, don't feel bad. I have some still today. I just don't wear them at church all the time, okay? But we just did all this stuff. And the reason why is this. Because we were told by well-meaning people, this is how you reach people is you got to adapt to them. I'm sorry. That is the one of the biggest fubos we ever made as Christians. Saying we need to be like the world so we can reach them. I'm, that's not anywhere in Scripture. Paul did say, I became all things to all men that I might save some. That does not mean, though, that he adapted to the culture. He's very clear about this in Scripture. He was saying, hey, man, if you cook some mac and cheese... I may be eating kosher, but brother, if you throw down some mac and cheese, throw some butter, some cheese, you fry that stuff, and you throw a little something in there, that's like, man, you know, some really heavy cream sauce, whatever, and I'm on a kosher thing, and I don't eat some of that stuff, maybe it's got, you know, instead of using sheep's milk or whatever else, you put a little bacon fat in there or something like that, Paul's like, oh man, I'm supposed to be kosher, but you put bacon fat in the mac and cheese. He was saying, basically, listen, I'm not going to make a big deal out of that right now. Because I came to your house, you made some mac and cheese for me with a little bacon fat. I'm going to eat it. And if you're in Georgia, you're probably thinking, I've never thought about putting bacon fat in mac and cheese. But all of a sudden, that sounds like a really good idea. There are things you just overlook. You say, I'm, okay, I'm just not going to be that. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to be able to reach you the best I can. But there's a line that says, okay, there's the line. The line says, you know what, okay, it, it, if I have to reach you, I've got to step towards sin in order to cause you to follow Jesus. There's something wrong with that. If because, if i got to be more like you than Jesus, then somehow I've reduced my lordship to Christ as just uh, a variable instead of him being Lord. And I'm, I'm saying, well, in order to reach you, i got to be like you. That's not, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. And if that bothers people to the point where they can't handle that, it's like the old movie, you know, A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. If they can't handle it, then just I'm sorry. But I can't compromise lordship to Jesus so somebody feels like they fit in better. 
But now look, I'm not in a suit, I'm not in a tie, I'm not, I don't care about that stuff, you wear what you want to wear, it's not about that, it's not about like, if you like mac and cheese or you don't like mac and cheese, it's not about any of those things. All I'm saying is this, scripturally, the Bible tells us, do not be conformed to this, come on, thank you, read your Bibles, do not be conformed to this, yeah, but be ye, what, transformed by the renewing of your, that's right, because when, where do you get that from, God's word, so that's where we're going to go today, I just want to say all that because, listen, water baptism, if you think that's weird, I'm sorry. Jesus said, you ought to be baptized. And his disciples baptized all kinds of people. And they did it in the rivers. So you ought to be thankful, you know what I'm saying? Like, at least you got purified water here. Like, you know, they, I've seen that river where they did some baptisms. The one that, the side of the Jordan where Jesus supposedly was baptized. It's pretty murky. Like, we baptize people in the little uh, commercialized spot. Like, it's a beautiful place. They don't, I'm not saying commercialized. It's very clean, orderly, and all this. The place where they think Jesus was probably baptized is on the border of, of Jordan over there. And when you see this little, it's reeds everywhere. It's real muddy. It looks worse than like, um, if you see like, um, Lake Wise after a heavy rain or a really, like a creek after a heavy rain, it's all muddy. That's what it looks like. I mean, you couldn't even see. So, you know, you have a wonderful, wonderful opportunity there to do it in purified water. So anyway, if you haven't been baptized, just say that because you ought to. You know, it's, it's a commandment of God. So anyway, so we go to Matthew 16. We're talking about in experiencing God, God's will in the church. <clears throat> and uh, so when you study that this week, you'll see the beauty of his church, why God's called you to his church. I, I'm not going to get all this in depth because it's too much to kind of condense in 20 minutes. So, <clears throat> but I will just read. I did a series on Ecclesia a while back. You can go back and listen to that if you want to. But ultimately, number one in Matthew 16, 18, uh, Jesus is building his church. I'm not going to do this in depth because I've already done it, but Jesus is building his church. And so for that reason, let's read this, Matthew 16, 18. I'll put this on the screen for you because we have a projector because we're cool. Okay, so Matthew 16, 18. And again, let me just, can I just, do you mind if I just jab a little more? This isn't so you don't have a Bible in your hand. Like you don't have to bring your paper Bible, but you have it on your phone, right? It's important at least like know where it is. Like use it. And I don't, I, I love you in Jesus' name. But please don't let what we put up here take the place of having it on your phone. I, I use my own all the time. I have like five different Bible translations on my phone. And every time I go, that's what I'm using. I know many of you use it right now. There's internet in here, whatever. There you go. Anyway, sixteen, eighteen, Matthew's gospel. I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Gates of hell won't overpower it. Jesus said what? I'm going to build what? My, not thee. He takes it personal. It's his church. And for that reason alone, just like water baptism, if Jesus is building his church, no matter what I'm about to say going forward, no matter what I think about church, no matter how I feel about church, no matter my experience with church, whether it's good, bad, positive, or negative, I'm telling you right now, if Jesus said he's building his church, I want to be a part of what he's doing. I don't care. Well, you don't know. I don't care about anything else. I'm about to share some things with you. I understand. I've been there, man. Church is not always the greatest thing to attend. Sometimes it's not always fun. You get your feelings hurt. You don't like what the preacher preaches. It's not cool. They ran out of coffee. Whatever. I don't know. But it doesn't matter to me because you know why? Because he's building his church. And if he's building his church, I want to be a part of what he's building. Your business is good, but I'm telling you, he never said anything about he's building your business. That's on you. He'll give you wisdom, insight, understanding. He'll give you ideas and creative things, but that's your business. He's not building your business. I hate to tell you this, uh, but even when it comes to your family, this whole idea of just giving it to the Lord, that's not biblical. He's not, you know, he don't check in and clock in, take care of your kids for you. That's your job. Can I get an amen, right? Can Pastor Stephen preach again? Huh? Can he? I don't like this. Ain't it cool? Like, yeah. I know it's fun hearing Pastor Stephen preach. Didn't he go to Drake up last week? I loved it, man. He did such a great job. Give him a hand, would you? <laughs> so anyway, he's building his church. I want to be a part of it, okay? So if, if Jesus is building his church, then what do we do? What are we doing right now? We are simply stewards of his church. Like in this room right now, if you think that, well, no, that's your job, Pastor. No. I'm a part of the process, but so are you. As we will see it further on. We are here to steward his church. When he left, he said things like, occupy until I come. It means go do business. 
deal with stuff. Go, preach the gospel, pray for the sick. I mean, even pretty astounding things like, you know, we don't talk about America. It's like, oh, no, that's weird. Raise the dead, heal the sick. You know, oh, that's for those other countries over there. Well, I mean, I get it, but nonetheless, that's what Jesus said. And so when you go pray for people, like pray for people. Yeah, but that's not, I don't feel like it's my gifting. It may not be your gifting, but Jesus said pray for people. So pray for them. That's our job. His job is to do the miracles and healings and deliverance and everything else. But my job is to simply pray for them. Nonetheless, we are stewards of his church. So I was blessed to attend church here growing up. Um, and so probably at the age of, man, I don't know, my uncle started bringing me off and on when I would hang out with them some. I don't know. I've been here uh, quite a long time. And some of my you know, earliest memories maybe you know, 10, 11, 12 years of age, somewhere in there, I would come occasionally here and there. So I've been here long enough. I know where all the, like, you know, where they have the main church members. You stick them in the closet, don't ever let them out. I know where all that stuff has, okay? I've been here long enough to see enough stuff, okay? Just kidding. We have no church members locked away. We always let people go home. It's just a joke. Some of y'all thought, is he serious? No, I'm kidding. But, um, and I was very fortunate because I had people who cared about me, people who loved me, people spent time with me, <clears throat> listened to my silly questions about the Lord. And um, But I have seen, I'm going to give you a little bit of a Star Wars illustration for this, okay? I have seen both in church, I've seen the light and I've seen the dark side. I've seen Luke Skywalker and the force be with you. Man, I've seen some great stuff. I've also seen Darth Vader show up. And it's in church. And, and so I'm not going to act like right here and now that it's just a bunch of roses and the cool communion and everything's just holy and everything's perfect because we're here. And the moment you walked in the door, all that went out the door. The holiness is of the Lord. He said, you be holy like me, but I'm just telling you right now, let's just be honest. Can we all agree? Not every day do we get up holy. Can we, can I, am I the only one? Am I the only one in my house that's just not always holy? Okay, everybody else is holy. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Your spouse right now is looking going like, they are not holy. <laughs> They're lying right now, Pastor. I know. It's cool. I know it. But I've seen both. I've seen the, the side that's the most beautiful, wonderful, precious thing. But I've also seen Darth Vader just show right up with a, with a lightsaber. <laughs> just tearing things down, man. So I'm not going to pretend, okay? Agreed? Agreed? Okay, because you have too. No sense of me acting like it's just a bunch of, because you're going to like, well, no, I've seen some. Okay, let's just, so we're all on the same page. But if we're stewards of his church, and because we've seen it, if the Lord is building his church, is that a reason to say, I just won't connect anymore because of my experiences in church? I don't want to get that close because what if it happens again? No. I mean, in Star Wars, listen, I am not that kind of guy. I just, I love the movies and I watch it and my kids are trying to get me to get caught up with this in-between stuff so I know what's happening in the Mandalorian and the new stuff with Ahsoka's coming out. But I'm, I am just like, this is so slow. Can't you just tell me? No, dad, you've got to watch it. But can't you just tell me what's happening so I can get caught up? You've got to see it. So I'm not in that depth. I don't know all this stuff. I know enough about Star Wars as this. Even though, People like Luke Skywalker failed with other people, and he had a rogue couple of disciples. And it threw him off his path a few times. He came back to retrain another. Because no matter how much you feel like in church you have been hurt, misled, or misguided, or whatever your experience has been, because we've all had that, irregardless, you're not going to escape the fact that Jesus said, I'm building my church. So at some point, I have to reconcile my experience, though it be good or bad, with the fact that Jesus is building his church. And that's not four walls, by the way. Or in this case, one, two, three, four, five, whatever. It's not the building. That's you and I. You're the church. He's building his church, though, all around the world, irregardless of our experience. So, Pastor, so then if we're our steward, then, then, then what does that mean? Well, in Matthew 25, I'm not going to read all this to you. I want you to write the reference down, or you can go back and look at it later. But Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. <clears throat> this is the parable of the servants, or in one translation, read slaves. 
And their culture, um, I don't have time to get into this, but you can read about this as to why this was there and why would Jesus even reference this. I think that Jesus, let me just say this, Jesus doesn't hide away from the issues that went on in life. Can we all agree? Some people read this and they think, well, Jesus, see, he excused slavery. No, he did not. But he also didn't hide away from the real issues of the day to say he knew that slavery existed and so therefore he addressed it. In the Jewish culture, many of them were in, in, in bond servant or a servant. Either way, it was still slavery. Some were more favorable to the situation than others, but he didn't hide from that. He said, yes, things are wrong and it's not right, but even in that case that's so difficult and hardly even comprehend for us, he addresses this and talks about this. So he says, the master of these individuals left and he <laughs> came to settle accounts with them. He had left these talents in their hands. One had given five, one given two, and the other one had been given one talent. And if you look up the talent, I encourage you to Google this and see how much the value of it is today because fluctuation of metals, it's gone up, but it's very expensive. This isn't like a $20 bill. This is multiple zeros behind us. Go read about it. But he put these people in charge of these things. And so when he came back, he came to reconcile his counsel, and he said to each one of them, all right, let's see what you've done. Well, the one that had five, he multiplied his efforts, invested, he did business with it, and he gained five more. So he doubled his investment. That's pretty good. You get a 50% return, man. That's, can I, I mean, right, if you want to, that's good money. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you've done it good. The guy who had two talents. And you might think in our culture today, well, it's not fair. Why do you only get two? I don't know. See, you got, that's the wrong thought. You ought to be grateful that you've just been given too. But see, if I'm so busy looking at what you have instead of what he's given me, I'm going to judge my experience. Well, look what they have. It's not right. Why didn't I get? Well, I don't know why. Maybe he saw something this guy had too that he couldn't give him five for a reason. Maybe. What if the guy only had him? It's a lot of money. What if, in all, what if he only had eight talents? You ever thought about that? What if that's all he had? It's not fair he only gave me two. What if that's all he had? What if he ran out? What if he invested everything and said, I'm going to deploy everything I have into these individuals with the expectation of a return, but I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to leave heaven come to the earth and empty myself of all of my ability, not my divinity, but my abilities, learn as a man, become as a man, go to the cross, die, trust that God will raise me from the dead, but I'm trust everything into my church and see what they do with it. What if that's what happened? Anyway, that's a side note. But anyway, so he has two, this one guy, he invests, he returns back 50%. That's pretty cool. But he gets to the one and the one guy says this, I knew, and I was afraid, verse 25, that you <clears throat> were a hard guy. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See what I have is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. By the way, if your bank doesn't give you anything, then find one that does. If you're afraid of the economy, at least put it somewhere you get at least 4%. Find something to make some money. I mean, like, do something with it. That's, he, that's no different than this. Side note, but at least, you know, shop around or something. Whether my friend, who cares? They're my friend, like, I love them, but they ain't helping me with my investment, so I'm going to find somebody that's going to be willing to help me out. So anyway, he says you ought to put it in the bank where you get a little interest, and so therefore take away his talent. And in our culture, that's not fair. Right? Isn't that true? Oh my gosh, today, this would be cancel culture 100%. This brother right here off of Twitter, off of Facebook, Instagram, no one's talking to him anymore. Why? How dare you take from the one who stuck and hit it? They were just trying to be, but he calls him a wicked servant. Jesus, let me tell you something. He was canceled 2,000 years ago, and people would cancel him today if he was here. They didn't like him then, and they wouldn't like him now either. The only way they like Jesus is blue eyes on a picture screen where he smiles. That's the only reason they like Jesus. Get into the depths of what he talks about and people don't like him so much. So he says, you ought to have done this. Therefore, take this talent from him and watch this. This is crazy. Don't not give it to the one who multiplied and had four talents. Give it to the one who has ten. I mean, can you imagine the working environment with these guys? 
Well, that's just not right. I mean, you've got ten. I've got four. Why don't they give me one? Why do you get it? Well, I don't know. Nonetheless, this is what he did. And he says, for everyone who has more, or for everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And he says, throw him out to the outer darkness. I mean, that's awful. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's terrible. But nonetheless, it's obvious that Jesus says he's building his church, and I'm telling you right now, we're stewards. So here's a question right now. What are you doing with what's in your hands? I'm a serious question right now. Because my kids call it for real talk, I think is what they say it now. For real talk, Dad. <laughs> are we not having real talk? I'm confused. Is this not talking? No, it's for real talk. That means we're, we're, that's when Jesus said, seriously, seriously, or verily, verily, I say unto you. That means that's real talk. I just learned this, okay? So real talk right now. T- take your hands right here. Look, do me a favor, just illustration-wise. Take 20 seconds with me right now. Open your hands like this and look at me with your hands out like this. <clears throat> participate or I'm going to call you out, all right? Let me see your hands. Participate or I'm calling you out. I'm serious. Let me see them. All right. <clears throat> what are you doing right now with what's in your hands? I didn't say what's in your neighbor's hands. Stop this whole idea. Don't buy into the culture that says it's not fair, it's not right. How come they've been given more than me? I don't know, and I don't care. I can have to deal with my own family. Do we worry about what you have and what you don't have? What's in your hands, and what are you doing with what's in your hands? And here's a better question. What are we doing with the church <clears throat> that he has been put in our hands? <clears throat> so Jesus is building his church, and we're stewards. If he's building it, then we are stewards of his church. Here's the second thing about the church that you need to know. When you read this week in your study, you're going to get a lot more in depth. But understand this about the church. The church has gifts. Now, every one of you in this room, you may or may not know what I'm about to say. And I'm not going to teach all this because I don't have time. But the church has gifts. There are three different categories of giftings that you'll see in the scriptures. And I'm just going to put these up there. You can write your notes because I'm going to go through this very quickly. I'm not going to take time to teach on this long. First of all, there's ministry gifts. In the fivefold, what we call as, I'm giving you this as I was taught in Bible college, okay? It's most, this is the most simplest way I can, I can do this, and I think it, it, it's easy to remember this way. There are ministry gifts. We call them in the Bible colleges, and we are taught and trained fivefold ministry gifts. I could teach it to you using your fingers and your thumb here, but anyway. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're people who go to school, they go to ministry, but not just get a degree. They actually come under and they sit around a group of elders or other people, and they submit their lives, and they say, I feel like God has called me to ministry. And that body of believers that are in charge of some sort of spiritual formation in a church or an organization like a Bible university, they look at that individual after their training. Because training doesn't make you called. Can I, can I get, let me ask you a question. There's two surgeons. One has a stellar record. Nine out of ten patients do extremely well in recovery. There's another surgeon that one out of ten do well. Which one do you pick? One might be a little more called, but both have the same education. I'm going with the guy who has the better results. How about you? Okay, same thing. Just because you go to school doesn't mean you're called. That means you went to school. And there's a lot of times people confuse ministry gifting. They think they are something when they are not. And this is the way old school preachers told us. How do you know you're called? You know. Yeah, but how do you know you're not? Because if you know, you know. I had plenty of other opportunities to do many other things. Believe me. Tried it. God, please. God, help me. God, get me out of this. What is wrong with you? Why? No. You're killing me, Smalls. Like, what are you doing to me, man? Why? Because calling. Calling. That's a ministry gifting. Pastor Stephen, calling. Pastor Victor, calling. Other men and women, I don't got time to get in there, but called, called, called. There's a calling. It's different. Bible school doesn't make you called. It might make you qualified, but it doesn't make you called. Ministry giftings. Ephesians 4. You, you can go and read this. Ephesians 4, 10 through 16 explains this in detail. I'm not going to take the time to teach it, but it's in the church. Ministry giftings, okay? The second thing you'll see, though, this is where many of us, all of us, in some form, have this next one. It's called a spiritual gift. Now, you could name it something else. You could say a personality trait. You could say 
a wiring how God gifted, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to use the word spiritual gifts, okay? You can read this in Romans 12. Throughout, there are spiritual gifts deposited with each one of you. When, in the Old Testament, when they came along and they wanted to build the temple or the tabernacle, God called them out and he said, I want you to find artisans. Now, let me tell you, who's an artisan? An artisan is somebody like, this guy over here, Justin, he's an artisan. He does other stuff, but this guy can make stuff. Like, he has made stuff that looks so real for film and movies and whatnot. But he looks, it, he's built stuff like, like, that could be in the movies. It's that good. My friend Jason over here, artisan. This guy can build anything. And, you know, he ought to charge you a pretty penny if you ask him to because he's that good. He can build, I'm telling you, I can build stuff, but he can build anything. It's amazing to watch. Now, not everybody can build stuff. Right? You don't want just anybody building your house. You don't want just anybody building your car. You know, I often think when cars have those big massive recalls, you reckon it was one of those guys on the line that was going like, yo, man, just put the screw in the thing. It won't matter. Hey, it don't need five screws. Three's enough. Just, just, just send it on down the line, baby. Come on. I always wonder if recalls are because of that guy. Like all the other guys are like, yo, man, what? My car's fine. What recall is it? Number 3283. Who's that? I'll ask Fred over there. Fred thought three screws would be enough. Thanks, Fred. 50,000 recalls because of you, man. Not gifted. Not gifted to be an artisan. Not a builder. But there's other giftings in the Bible throughout, and you can read this in Romans 12. Many of them. Listen to what just some of them are. If there's gifts of service, there's gifts of faith, gifts of teaching, exhortation, those who give. I had one of my, uh, uh, I can tell you his name, but he looked at me the other day. He said, Jody, let me tell you something. Here's what I know. I finally just come to grips with this. What God has called me to do is to give a lot of money to the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm going to do. I said, you know what? You're my new best friend. I love you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Rock your gift off, baby. I mean, just roll with that thing. I, why? Because you try and put him in the, it's like a square peg in a round hole kind of thing, right? He's not a gifted greeter. He doesn't want to preach. He doesn't know how to teach kids. But you know what he does have to do? Make a lot of money. And he finally just said, I'm called to be generous. How can I give some money away? Literally, that's what he asked me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you'd love to be super selfish and say, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I know somebody. As Michael Jr. would say, I know a family in need. Uh, like, you know. <laughs> but what do you do? You say, no, well, there's a ministry partner of ours who could really use some extra. How can I give to them? Well, here's how you do it. Because they just wanted to be, a, that's in there. So, don't try to make an artisan a giver, and don't try to make a giver an artisan. They're, these are spiritual gifts. They're all through Romans 12. I don't have time to teach all this, but numerous, numerous places throughout. You can read all these things. We can help you with that in, in the church if you want. But there are spiritual gifts. So that every one of you have been given some form of spiritual gift in the church. Let me ask you a question right now. Put your hands back out. What are you doing with what's been given you? In your church. Some of you lead businesses, organizations. You are super smart. And you think there's no place for you in this church. And I'm just telling you right now, it's not true. Some of you, you handle major conflict. You deal with crisis. You think, well, there's nowhere for me to fit in. Because, I mean, everything's so organized. Listen, do you know how many crises we deal with all the time with people and families? I get calls all the time. There's people in need all in our city. You could use your gifts, your talents. I'm just saying, what are you doing with that that God put within you that you think, well, there's nowhere for me in the church? Yes, there is. Guarantee you there is. And the last area of gifting you'd see in the church is this in 1 Corinthians 12. You'll see gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you come from a Pentecostal charismatic background, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, then you, you may not. Okay, what's the difference? Spiritual gifts are gifts that are given to you. You can call them talents. You can call it a personality. You can call it, it's just your wiring. You're good at what you do and you know it. And there's, that's not being arrogant either, by the way. That's just being, I, okay, I can build stuff. There's nothing wrong with knowing that. You should know what you can and can't do. I can't do surgery. I'm not even going to think about trying. I never went that route because it makes me nauseous. Like we were watching a movie the other night and this guy, it was like this thing and he got a scrape on this. I'm like going, oh, oh. Yo, man, I can't, I can't, I'm just like, 
Right now I'm trying to get it out of my head, like Hershey's chocolate, you know, whatever, anything, like get in my head. It's just disgusting. Guys that are, have like stone cold feelings, surgeons, I didn't, I, you know, I'm not asking to go eat dinner with them. I just want them to do a good job. I don't care if they are curt with me. I don't care if they, how are you? I don't care if they have good bedside manner. I don't care. Just do a good job. That's all you want on a surgeon. And don't complain because they drive an expensive car. Who cares? They fixed you. Let them alone. I don't care. If you want to drive an expensive car, go be a surgeon, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, whatever that, those are spiritual gifts. You have something God wired you to do. These are different. The gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. I don't have time to teach all this. You can go back and read this. There's plenty of books out there on it. But there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they are not something you own. They are something that are uh, that God uses in you at times. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. There are some people who think, well, I, I, you know, I have a discerning spirit. No, you don't. You might be discerning, but you don't have the gift of discerning of spirits. You don't have the gift of word of knowledge. You don't have the gift of the word of wisdom. Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you see them all throughout the Old Testament with the exception of the tongues and interpretation of tongues, which you see in the New Testament. But every one of them have some miracle or something connected to them was worked by God, and God used people. Elijah, go back and read how many gifts of the Holy Spirit worked in his life. Listen, brother, you didn't call down fire from heaven without the Holy Spirit working. Right? So here's the difference. If you can do it in your own strength, that's something God gifted you to do. But if it was God showing up and doing it, guess what? That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Y'all see what I'm saying, right? You pray with somebody and they were sick as a dog and they got better. I hate to tell you this. You're not, you don't have the gifts of healing. You're not great. You didn't prescribe the right medication. Look how smart you were. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit worked through you and they got better. Give glory to God for that, right? That's a gift of the Holy Spirit, though. Now, I don't have time to teach all that, but I've had many cases where, like, I don't know of one case that I can think of where the working of miracles, I've ever seen that happen in my life, or the gifts of healing. So what does that tell you? Maybe don't call me if you're sick. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not a wor- I'm not a miracle worker, okay? But I have had things where the Lord has given me a word of wisdom for people. And I've had things where the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. And I know things, and I have no way of knowing And you can't sit there and take credit for that because that's a gift of the Holy Spirit that he, for a moment, worked through you. And you give praise and glory to God for it. But this is in the church. Can I just be, for 20 seconds right here, before we move on and, and wrap this up today. These things were not intended to stay within the four walls of the church. The problem with the ideology that comes with some of this is that it's for in the church. And so when I went to school, that was the thing that we were exposed to and we thought and we taught was that, well, it must happen in the church only. I'm sorry, but it should happen out there more than in here. Like, it wouldn't be cool if you went to work tomorrow and the Holy Spirit worked through you. You had a word of wisdom for a coworker who was struggling. And you told them and they looked at you, draw, dropped, like, how did you know? Well, I didn't know anything. But I just sensed the Lord was telling me to tell you. But yeah, but how did you know? How did... It freaked them out. In a good way. How much better would that be instead of at the water cooler or whatever you have on your job where people communicate and talk about issues if you had God show up and do something like that through you? I'm telling you right now, they would stop and go like, uh, either one of two things. God's here or I'm scared and I'm not talking to you anymore. Either way, what's going to happen? The heart is exposed, and they have a choice to make at that moment. Hey, man, listen, that way is a whole lot better way of reaching people for Christ than trying to wear a Hawaiian shirt to get them to come. Can we agree? Right? Because, listen, I'm going to say right now, I had to ask my oldest daughter, does this match today? I don't know. Because I'm terrible with that. I don't know. I'm just so passive. I don't even care. I've already realized a long time doing this. People aren't moved by what you wear. And if they are, I'm sorry, that's the wrong thing anyway. If, if we're getting moved by what somebody's wearing on TV, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And I hate to burst your little Christian bubble right now, but I'm about to. What's stylish on a preacher? If that's what's drawing you, man, listen, we are so far off. We better repent quickly. Because my pastor is not cool. Like, he's just not, he'll tell you, he's not, he's not. He went from wearing ties just recently to actually wearing jeans in church. He's not cool, he's past, he don't care. But I'll tell you what, 
He's a man of God. I've been in meetings and seen God work. It has nothing to do with style. Forget about the style. Better that the Lord would work through us as a people. All right, so anyway, go read about those things. Those three areas of gifts. There are you know, <clears throat> ministry gifts, spiritual gifts, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Please go and study that, okay? All right. The last thing I want to say today is this, that I am a part of his church. And that's you right now. I'm going to take about five minutes and we're done. But I want you, this part right here I need you to hear. I am a part of his church. You are a part of his church. We are, as the Bible calls, the body of Christ. Now, if you don't believe in the body, um, I'm going to convince you and show you that you actually do believe in the body. A whole lot more than you realize you do. Because when you're hurting in your body, who's the first person you call? I bet it's not your pastor. After, especially after I told you what I told you today, you're probably, you know, I'm going to find me a healer. I, you ain't any good. I mean, I don't get to be in the... You know. but, but the first person you typically call is who your doctor, right? Which you should. And if it's an emergency, you ought to call 911, right? Don't mess around. Take what you need to do and take it serious. Because your body hurts. You feel it. You sense it. You know something's not right. And um, I'll give you the illustration that um, that we, I don't know, have all probably experienced. If you hadn't, eventually you will. But have you ever been in your house in the middle of the night where you get up and, you know, you go downstairs, maybe you're thirsty, you get got that kind of dry throat, you're like, oh, man, I need something to drink. And you can't, so you're getting up, you want it, and you're half asleep. You know, you're like trying to see, you know. And you go around the thing. Well, I don't know how your house is laid out, but ours is kind of different rooms, different things. So you go around the corner, you come around, and you go to, uh, you know, get a cup from the cabinetry or whatever. And as you're going, you you don't see it. It's like it's there all the time. It's never moved. No one like you. Know, but you're walking by, and you accidentally hit your little toe, not your big toe, the little one, the small one, the one that you don't pay any attention to. The little one, you graze, just graze, the corner of a chair. (laughs) Grown men fall to the floor. Women crying, bawling with Kleenexes, worse than a Hallmark movie. I mean, you're out. You would have thought someone just shot you. You're on the ground begging for mercy from God. (sighs) And then here's the thing I love. As every now and then this has happened to me, you get up and you look to see, what was it that I hit? And you see one of your family members that you love and you cherish so much that you helped bring into this world in some way has left a chair out. Just enough where it's not supposed to be there because chairs belong under the table, do they not? Can I get a witness from people who put things back where they belong? Right? I mean, it's the salt goes back where the salt goes. Anybody else with me? The milk goes in the certain spot. Yeah, right? The chair goes under the table. Come on. But you have these people that live with you that some of them just, they're not putter backer kind of people. They're like more like, just go with the wind. It's just, it's just leave the chair it's fine well I'll get it tomorrow it's no big deal and you love this person and you I mean you you know what I'm saying you love them deeply but you have kicked more things in your house by what they have left out than any other person you love in your house you have why do you keep doing this to me that one thing brings you to your knees it hurts so bad so painful you cry And you say, never again. I'm going to get rid of all the chairs. No more chairs, no more tables, nothing. Because you never want it to happen again. Or do you leave your chairs in your home, sit them at the table and eat dinner again? Do you remove the person that you love so deeply in your home and kick them out and say, you know what? It's because of you. Or do you leave yourself? Say, I'm never coming back again to this house. Because you know why? You keep leaving chairs out and I'm hitting my pinky toe and it hurts so bad. 
And I'm in such pain because of you. And so I'm never coming back here. I'm never eating at this table again. No one does that. But in church, it doesn't even have to be a deep hurt. I have heard people get angry over running out of coffee. People used to get torn because they'd take their seat. You know, that's my seat. Well, I mean, then take it with you. <laughs> By all means, just take it with you. We have more in storage. We'll bring one out to replace yours. Take it home. They used to say because there were pews, right? But you, and that's kind of hard to say, take that with you. Know? But, but why? Because for some reason, it's easier to be offended in church. And I'm going to tell you why as I pray for you today and wrap up. Because this is not just a place where you naturally eat food. This is a place where spiritually... You're being fed spiritually. And we often overlook the fact, and it's a fact, that there are principalities, powers, and dominions at work right now trying to convince you that that person sitting four seats away from you right now that didn't say hello to you this morning hates your guts. Oh, it is. But you'll work with that joker at work every day for 10 years. He never talks to you. And y'all cut up and say, like, he's an animal personality. But you'll laugh about that. But God forbid somebody in the church doesn't say hello to you. We take it so personally. And it's, why? It's just the enemy. And why is it that we do that? That spiritual connection in a church is so real. It's like the force. I mean, I literally, it is like Star Wars and the force. It, both are present. And it's not Jesus. I'm t- Jesus is Lord. Jesus rules. But I'm just telling you, it's why one minute you can be on the side of good and you can love people like Jesus and you feel like Jesus walked into the room. You know what I'm saying? You ever those Sundays? We have like, man, I, I mean, I don't want to brag, but today, <laughs> I mean, I think maybe I could preach because I got it. It's going that good today. Have you ever had just a... Every now and then, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, you know what? My prayer life's good. My money's good. My family, my, my kids are, listen, just to be honest, I could probably teach family classes right now. My kids are doing so great. They're no problem. My husband is in order. My wife has got her stuff together. I mean, our family is just in order. You just feel like everything is just knocking, you know. But then there's other days where you come in going like, if I don't get to church, I'm going to kill my spouse and let you do their funeral before the end of Sunday because they drive me crazy. My kid can't even find a hairbrush. Their hair like, Are we the only ones? I mean, like, is it just... I mean, I'm trying to find a car seat this morning. I can't even find a car seat for the kid. Where's your car seat? I don't know. You're the only one that sits in it. How can you not know where it is? I'm looking in both vehicles, all vehicles. There's no car seat anywhere. Mom, thank God. Of course, mom knows where it is. It's in the garage. Oh, my goodness. Why did I not look in the garage? Because car seats don't go in the garage. They go in the car. Like chairs going on a table. That's where they belong. (laughs) But in church, it's so easy to one day live in the light. And you feel like Luke Skywalker. Man, you got it going on. And then one day, like Darth Vader just showed up, and you don't even know why. Because you are dealing with real spiritual issues in church. When we preach, we feel it. When we get done, you asked Pastor, Pastor Steve Holstein was over here the other day talking about when he used to pastor church in Alaska. Five services on the weekend. That brother... I guarantee you, I don't even have to ask him. You know how exhausted he was? And then people say, well, you're just preaching. You have no idea what you're talking about. The spiritual pressure, the weight that comes at you, the pain you feel in the room, the things that the Holy Spirit is saying to you while you're preaching, you're trying your best to communicate in the best possible way you can. When you leave, the only thing you want when you leave church is this, a couch. 
And a ham sandwich, maybe, if you're not kosher or whatever. Just lay down and crash because it's, it's, you're done. You're fried. And it's not, but I can go give a talk on leadership. I can go share all day long about how to build something, whatever else. It is not the same. Communication is not what depletes you. It is spiritual things. And that's why it weighs so heavy on you. So right now this morning, here's, here's my encouragement to you. I want you to hear me. Now, how many, how many times you've hit your pinky toe? No matter how many times you don't quit those people that you love. I'm encouraging you right now. No matter how many times I leave a chair out and you pop your toe on it in church. Can I encourage you to love the people that are in your church like you would your own family? I ain't saying that they're your family, but in a sense, they are your brother and sister in the Lord. Spiritually. And just overlook some stuff. So would you take a moment right there and just close your eyes, bow your head with me, just right where you are. And I want to pray for you right now, because I know when I talk about these kind of things, that there are some of you in this room right now that you carry a burden, okay? I'm not going to overlook that. I'm not going to make light of it. I mean, if Haley and I were to share, we were, I was telling her last night we were talking about this, and I could spend a day telling you about all the crazy stories I've heard, the things I've experienced, she's experienced, that would cause us to say, we're, we're just never going back to a church ever. So I'm not going to make a lot of it. We've all had it. But I could also spend weeks and months, much more time, telling you the stories of redemption and salvation and healings and miracles and families being restored and kids coming to faith in Christ and looking back 20 years later at them and thinking, oh my goodness, what if we hadn't been here preaching to kids when we were? What if we hadn't taken the time with that one kid? I can tell you story after story after story of redemption and life change that far overwhelm all the negatives I've ever experienced with people in church. So right where you are, can I pray for you this morning? And can I ask you just to give this moment to the Lord? There's some of you in this room, I'm going to pray for you right now. You're carrying a burden. You're carrying a hurt. Someone says something to you. They hurt you in church. And I can't fix that for you. No amount of counsel is going to fix it. It might help. But ultimately, until you give it to the Lord, it's not going to really change. So right now, I'm asking you, I'm actually pleading with you that you would give this to the Lord Jesus right now. So as I pray, I'm going to pray first for you, and then I'm going to pray for salvations. But right where you are, this is for you, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, you know the people that are here, and you sense the hurt. God, you, I know you know, because I can sense it. I can't imagine how it feels to you, Lord. But right now, there are people, these are your sons and your daughters, and they carry burdens and hurts and pains, not from the world, but from experiences in a church. And it could even be from this one. I don't, I don't know. But I'm asking you, Lord, that we would come together just in a moment, just taking the time to say, God, I submit my life to you, and I, I give you right now that pain. I give you that hurt. And here's the big thing I'm going to ask you to do with your eyes closed. If that's, there's something there that you're still holding on to, I'm asking you right now just to release that person. The same way that you yourself would want to be forgiven. You don't have to call them. You don't have to talk to them if the relationship is, is, if that's not possible. I'm not trying to get you to do all those other steps. I'm just trying to get you to start with Jesus right now to say, Father, I give them to you and I say, I forgive them. I release them to you and I'm not holding a grudge over their lives. So today, Lord, I ask you to, to release them, to forgive them. And let me be free of this. Let me no longer hold this in Jesus' name. So while you do that, while you with your eyes closed, give God whatever it is on your heart right now. That's between you and the Lord right now. But for everyone else in the room, if you're here, while they're praying and you say, I don't know Jesus, I've never accepted Jesus Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. The whole church is going to pray with you. But if you're watching by broadcast, I want you to pray this prayer as well. Just repeat this after me with the whole church right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life and I give you my heart 
And I surrender everything. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I receive you. I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church, would you give him a hand? Hey, listen, can I just encourage you one last thing? Gary's coming up to close out uh, church today. Um, can I just encourage you, for those in your room that have carried um, this with you, just pray to give this to the Lord. Um, so any one of our elders, church leaders, could testify to this. You're not immune to a painful experience in church based on position. Because um, I just felt like maybe, I don't know, I feel like in the room right now, maybe there's some, somebody's thinking that, well, that's easy for you because you're the pastor. Um, I don't know if you can see this, but I have a big, there's like a big bullseye right there. And I used to think it was a silly thing to hear a preacher say, um, and it's not people, it's the enemy. Like you understand he's marked you too. And he would do he would love to see you remove yourself from fellowship in any way because that he can isolate you. That's his intent is to remove you, get you alone and, and destroy you. So can I just encourage you, don't think because of position that Gary's got it better. Like, that's a lie of the enemy. He doesn't. Nor do I. We're on the same level when it comes to that kind of stuff. He, he put a mark on your back too, and he's after you. So you've got to be strategic and, and just know that, right? So anyway, I just felt like I needed to say that before Gary closes out today. So I'm praying for you, proud of you. And uh, again, so excited for all these folks getting baptized today. So y'all welcome Gary up this morning as he closes out. Thank you, Pastor Jody. Wasn't that awesome having baptisms today? I think I think back to what Pastor Jody was saying, that why do we do that? Because Jesus said it in the Word, isn't it? And that's why we do it. So our prayer partners are going to come up front. If they'll be here after service as well. But I want to direct a couple of things to you. I hadn't planned on doing this, but I'm going to. You know, a lot of times we come up here, we talk about giving. And I think up on the screen, there's different ways that we can give here. You can text. Um, you can put offerings in the offering boxes back here. You can give online. But why do we do that? Um, we do it because it's in the Word. And I want to read where it is in the Word today. And I think it's important for, and I'm directing this, a lot of times I say, thank you for being generous. And if you are, if you're a regular giver here and you're a tither here and you've been here a while, thank you for your generosity. I'm going to direct this today at some folks. If you've been here a while and you haven't taken that extra step to become part of the family, part of the church here by giving your finances, I'm challenging you today. I'm going to read this to you and challenge you because... I think it's really, really important as a church body for a family that we're supporting each other. We do that financially. Um, we talked about summer camp coming up and kids camp coming up. It takes a lot of money to invest in our kids. So I'm going to challenge the ones, if you are here, I'm going to direct this at you today. And you and not coming down on you, I'm not want to make shame on you. But I think this is really, really important. And you may say, Gary, I can't give because I don't have anything. I've been there. I've been when I didn't have any money. I've had money, lost it all, got it back again because of God's grace. So I've been there. If you say you haven't, can't do it. I know you can because it says it in God's word. So I'm going to read this out of Malachi to you. It says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are, you, how are we robbing you? Robbing God. It says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Then it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The tithe is 10% of your income. Think about when you get paid each week, how much money comes out of your paycheck for Uncle Sam and the state of Georgia before you even see it. Way more than 10%, isn't it? Uh, my wife always says, what if we would have said, you got to give 90% and you get to keep 10? You know, this is a good deal that God has. He says, I only require 10%. Of your income. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And I think this is the important part, and I want you to think about this during the week because I'm going to challenge you again. If you're not, start with something. If you can't give 10% of your income, 
Start with 1% of your income. Start with 5 bucks. Start with 10 bucks a week. But become a regular giver. It will change your life. It says in his hair, it says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And that's what he will do for you. doesn't mean that all of a sudden money is going to come raining out of the sky or you're going to find that money tree in the backyard somewhere. But he is going to bless you beyond measure. I've seen it happen over and over again. I look out across this congregation and I see folks that I've seen this come to pass in their life. So I want to take just that minute again to challenge you, not because of what Pastor Jody uh, needs here, not because of what we need here, because it's in God's Word. He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And that's what we want for you guys as well, because He's going to bless you. So, uh, as we, if you want to stand, we're going to everybody leave here with the Lord's blessing out of numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you, give you His peace. If you need prayer, come on up front after service. God bless you. Have a great week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.